Chapters thirty one to thirty six of the Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous chapter thirty one what kind of man the cellarer of the monastery ought to be let there be chosen out of the community as cellarer of the monastery a man who is wise ripe in manners and sober not a great eater not haughty not hasty nor insulting not slow nor wasteful but fearing god and acting as a father to the whole brotherhood let him have care of all things and without the command of the abbot do nothing let him take heed of all that is ordered and not sadden his brethren but if any brother shall perchance ask anything of him that is not reasonable let him not by contemptuously spurning grieve him but reasonably and with all humility refuse what he asks for amiss let him have regard for his own soul mindful of that rule of the apostle they that have ministered well shall purchase for themselves a good degree first timothy chapter three verse thirteen let him care diligently for the sick the children the guests and the poor knowing without doubt that for all these he shall give an account on the judgment day let him look upon all the vessels and goods of the monastery as if they were the sacred vessels of the altar let him neglect nothing neither let him be covetous nor prodigal not wasteful of the goods of the monastery but do all things with moderation and according to the command of his abbot above all things let him have humility and give at least a gentle answer unto him on whom he hath nothing else to bestow for it is written a good word is above the best gift ecclesiasticus chapter eighteen verse seventeen let him have under his care all that the abbot shall appoint and presume not to meddle with anything from which he shall forbid him let him give to the brethren their appointed allowance of food without arrogance or delay that they be not scandalized mindful of that divine word which tells what punishment he deserves who shall scandalize one of these little ones matthew chapter eighteen verse six if the community be large let there be given to him helpers by whose aid he may quietly perform the office committed to his charge let such things as are to be given or asked for be given and asked for at suitable hours that no one may be troubled or saddened in the house of god chapter thirty two of the iron tools or goods of the monastery 
for keeping the iron tools clothes or other goods belonging to the monastery let the abbot appoint brethren of whose life and conversation he may be sure and to them let him allot all things to be kept as he shall judge most expedient of these let the abbot keep a list that as the brethren succeed each other in their various occupations he may know what he gives and what he receives if any one shall use the property of the monastery in a slovenly or negligent manner let him be rebuked if he does not amend let him be subjected to regular discipline chapter thirty three whether monks ought to have anything of their own especially let this vice be cut away from the monastery by the very roots that no one presume without leave of the abbot to give or receive or hold as his own anything whatsoever either book or tablets or pen or anything at all because they are men whose very bodies and wills are not in their own power but all that is necessary they may hope for from the father of the monastery nor can they keep anything which the abbot has not given or allowed let all things be common to all as it is written neither did any one say to think that aught was his own acts chapter four verse thirty two if any one shall be found given to this most wicked vice let him be admonished once or twice and if he do not amend let him be subjected to correction chapter thirty four whether all ought equally to receive what is needful as it is written distribution was made to every one according as he had need acts chapter four verse thirty five by this we do not say that there should be accepting of persons which god forbid but that due consideration should be shown to each one's infirmities therefore let him who needeth less give god thanks and be not grieved and let him who needeth more be humbled for his infirmity and not lifted up for the mercy that is shown him and thus all the members shall be in peace above all things take heed there be no murmuring by word or sign upon any occasion whatsoever if any one shall be found faulty in this respect let him be subjected to most severe discipline chapter thirty five of the weekly servers in the kitchen the brethren are so to serve each other that no one be excused from the office of the kitchen unless he be hindered by sickness or other business of more profit because a greater reward is gotten thence but let the weaker brethren have help that they may do their work without sadness and let all generally have help according as the number of the community and the situation of the place shall require if the community be great let the cellarer be excused from the kitchen 
and as we have said before such as are employed in matters of greater profit let the rest serve each other in charity on saturday let him who endeth his week in the kitchen make all things clean let him wash the towels wherewith the brethren wipe their hands and feet and let both him who goeth out and him who cometh in wash the feet of all he shall hand over to the cellarer clean and whole all the vessels of his office and the cellarer shall deliver them to him who entereth upon his office that he may know what he giveth and what he receiveth let these weekly officers one hour before refection take each a draught of drink and a piece of bread over and above the appointed allowance that at the hour of refection they may serve their brethren without murmuring or great labour nevertheless on solemn days let all forbear till after mass on sunday immediately after lords both the outgoing and the incoming officers for the week shall cast themselves upon their knees before all and ask to be prayed for let him that hath ended his office say the verse blessed art thou o lord god who didst help me and console me psalm eighty five verse seventeen which being thrice repeated he shall receive the blessing let him who entereth upon his office follow immediately after and say o god incline unto mine aid o lord make haste to help me psalm sixty nine verse two let this likewise be thrice repeated by all and having received the blessing let him enter upon his office chapter thirty six of the sick brethren before all things and above all things special care must be taken of the sick so that they may be served in very deed as christ himself for he saith i was sick and ye visited me matthew chapter twenty five verse twenty six and what ye did to one of these my least brethren ye did to me ibidem verse forty but let the sick themselves bear in mind that they are served for the honour of god and must not grieve the brethren who serve them by their extravagant demands nevertheless they must patiently be borne with because there is gotten from such a more abundant reward therefore let the abbot take special care they be not neglected let a separate cell be set apart for their use and an attendant that is god-fearing diligent and careful as often as it shall be expedient let the use of baths be allowed the sick but to such as are in health and especially to the young let it be seldom granted moreover the sick and weakly may be allowed the use of flesh-meat for their recovery as soon however as they get better they must all after the accustomed manner abstain from meat 
let the abbot take special care that the cellarer or attendants neglect not the sick because whatever is done amiss by his disciples is imputed to himself end of chapter thirty six end of chapters thirty one to thirty six Chapters thirty seven to forty two of the Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous chapter thirty seven of old men and children although man's nature is of itself drawn to feel pity for these two ages that is for the old and for children yet it is fitting that the authority of the rule should provide for them let their weakness therefore be always taken into account and the rigour of the rule with regard to food be by no means kept with them let a kind consideration be had for them and let leave be granted them to eat before the regular hours chapter thirty eight of the weekly reader reading ought not to cease while the brethren eat at table neither ought any one presume to read who shall take up the book at haphazard but let him who is appointed to read for the whole week enter upon his office on sunday after mass and communion let him ask all to pray for him that god may keep him from the spirit of pride and let this verse be thrice repeated in the oratory by all the reader first beginning it o lord thou wilt open my lips and my mouth shall declare thy praise psalm fifty one verse seventeen and thus having received a blessing let him enter upon his duty the greatest silence shall be kept so that no muttering or voice shall be heard except the voice of the reader such things as are necessary for meat and drink let the brethren so minister to each other that no one need ask for anything yet should anything be wanted let it be asked for rather by a sign than by a word nor let any one presume to ask questions about what is being read or about anything else lest occasion be given to the evil one should the prior however think fit he may make some brief exhortation for the edification of the brethren and let the brother who is reader for the week take a little pottage before he begin to read on account of holy communion and lest perchance it be grievous for him to fast so long afterwards let him eat with the weekly officers and servers of the kitchen the brethren must not read or sing in turns but such only as may edify the hearers 
Chapter thirty nine of the measure or quantity of meat. We think it sufficient for daily refection, both at the sixth and ninth hour, that there be at all seasons two dishes, because of the infirmities of different people, so that he who cannot eat of one may make his meal of the other let therefore two dishes of hot food suffice for the brethren and if there be any apples or young vegetables let them be added as a third dish let one pound weight of bread suffice for the day whether there be one refection or both dinner and supper if they are to sup let a third part of that pound be reserved by the cellarer to be put before them at supper if their labour be great it shall be in the power of the abbot to add what he shall think fitting to their ordinary allowance taking care always to avoid surfeiting that the monks be not overtaken with indigestion because there is not sin more contrary to a christian than gluttony as our lord saith take heed to yourselves lest perhaps your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness luke chapter thirty one verse thirty four but to children of tender age let not the same quantity be given but less than to the older in all things preserving frugality let all except the very weak and the sick abstain from eating the flesh of four-footed beasts chapter forty of the measure of drink every one hath his proper gift from god one thus another thus first corinthians chapter seven verse seven therefore it is not without some misgiving that we appoint the measure of other men's victuals yet considering the condition of those in weak health we think that one pint of wine will be sufficient for each one every day but let those upon whom god bestows the gift of abstinence know that they shall receive the proper reward if however the situation of the place labour or the heat of summer require more let the prior do what he thinketh good ever having a care that fulness or gluttony creep not in and although we read in vitis patrum verba seniorum five four thirty one that wine is not at all the drink of monks yet because in these our times they will not be so persuaded let us at least agree to this not to drink to satiety but sparingly because wine maketh even the wise to fall away ecclesiasticus chapter nineteen verse two where however the poverty of the place will not allow the appointed measure but much less or perhaps none at all let those who live there praise god and murmur not this we admonish above all things that there never be any murmuring chapter forty one 
at what hours the brethren are to take their refections from the holy feast of easter until whitsuntide let the brethren take their refection at the sixth hour and their supper at night but from whitsuntide throughout the whole summer let them fast on wednesdays and fridays till the ninth hour unless they have to labour in the fields or the extremity of the heat oppress them but on other days let them dine at the sixth hour this hour for dinner shall be continued at the discretion of the abbot if they have work in the fields or the heat of summer be great let him so moderate and dispose all things that souls may be saved and that what the brethren do may be done without just complaint but from the thirteenth of september till the beginning of lent let the brethren always take their meal at the ninth hour from the beginning of lent till easter they shall take their meal in the evening yet let things be so ordered that there be no need of lamps during the refection but that all be done by daylight at all times let the hour for supper and for dinner be so arranged that all things be done by daylight chapter forty two that no one may speak after compline monks ought to keep silence at all times but especially during the hours of the night and therefore on all days whether of fast or not let them all come together presently after supper if it be not a fasting day and let one read the collations or lives of the fathers or something else which will edify the hearers not however the heptateuch or book of kings for it will not be profitable for weak understandings to hear this part of scripture at that hour yet at other times it may be read but if it be a fasting day let them as we have said come to the reading of the collations shortly after evensong then let them read four or five pages or as many as the time will allow in order that during reading all even such as have had some work enjoined them may have assembled together all being gathered together let them say compline after which no one shall be permitted to speak if any one shall be found to break this rule of silence let him be liable to the most severe punishment except there be some necessary cause such as the arrival of guests or the command of the abbot yet even in that case let it be done with the greatest gravity and moderation end of chapter forty two end of chapters thirty seven to forty two chapters forty three to forty eight of the rule of saint benedict this is a librivox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Filippo Joachim The Rule of St. Benedict 
by St. Benedict of Norcia, translated by Anonymous. Chapter 43 As those who come late to the work of God or to table, as soon as the signal of divine office shall be heard, each one, laying aside whatever occupation he may happen to be engaged in, shall hasten with all speed and yet with gravity, lest an occasion be given for light behavior. Let nothing, therefore, be preferred to the work of God, if any one shall come to matins after the gloria of the ninety-fourth psalm, which we would have said slowly and leisurely for this very purpose, let him not stand in the order in the choir, but last of all, or in a place which the abbot shall have set apart for such negligent people, that he may be seen by him and by all the rest, till the work of God be ended. Thus, and do penance and make public satisfaction. We have judged it fitting they should stand in the last place or apart for this reason, that being seen by all, they may for very shame's sake amend. For it they remain outside the oratory, some one will perchance either return to his cell and sleep, or at least sit without, and abandoning himself to idle talk, give an occasion to the evil one. Let him therefore enter in, that he may not lose all, but may be amended for the time to come. In the day hours, let him that shall come to the work of God, after the verse Deus in auditorium and Gloria of the, fourth, of the first psalm, stand last, as directed above, and not presume to join himself to the choir of singers, until he has made satisfaction, unless the abbot shall, by his permission, give him leave, on condition, however, that he afterwards make amend for his fault. He that cometh to the table before the verse Oculi Omnium, or Edent Pauperes, so that all may say the verse and pray, and all at once sit down at the table together, shall be corrected once or twice, if these have happened through his own fault or negligence, and if he do not afterwards amend, let him not be admitted to a share of the common table, but being separated from the company of his brethren, let him eat alone, and let his portion of wine be taken away from him, till we make satisfaction and amend his way. He shall suffer the like penalty, who is not present at a verse confiteantur, or memoriam, that is said after meal. And let not any one presume to take meat or drink before or after the appointed time. Moreover, if anything be offered to a brother by the prior, and that brother refuse it, but afterwards have a mind for it, he shall receive neither that nor anything else, until he have made suitable atonement. Chapter 44 How those who are excommunicated are to make satisfaction. At the hour when the work of God is being celebrated in the oratory, 
Let him who for more grievous offences is excommunicated from the table or oratory lie prostrate before the doors thereof saying nothing. Only with his head upon the ground let him lie at the feet of all who go out of the oratory. This he shall do until the abbot think he hath given sufficient satisfaction. When ordered by the abbot, he shall cast himself at the abbot's feet, and then at the feet of all the brethren, that they may pray for him. Then, if the abbot shall order it, let him be received into the choir, and stand in that rank which he shall appoint, yet so that he presume not to intone a psalm, or read a lesson in the oratory, or do anything else unless the abbot again order him. After each hour, when the work of God is finished, let him cast himself upon the earth in the place where he stands, and in this manner make satisfaction, until the abbot commands him to cease therefrom. But let such as for slight faults are excommunicated only from the table, may satisfaction in the oratory as long as the abbot shall command, and let them continue their satisfaction until he bless them and say, It is enough. Chapter 45 Of those who commit any fault in the oratory If any one, while reciting a psalm, responsory, antiphon, or lesson, shall make any mistake, and not forwith atone for it before all, let him be liable to greater punishment, as one who will not correct by humility what he hath done amiss through negligence. But for such a fault let children be beaten. Chapter 46 Of Those Who Offend in Lighter Manners If any one, while engaged in labor, either in the kitchen or the cellar, or in the service of others, in the bakehouse, the garden, or in any other occupation, shall do anything amiss, or break, or lose anything, or offend in any other say, and do not come presently before the abbot or community, and of his own accord confess and may satisfaction for this offense. When that is made known by others, he shall be more severely punished. But if the fault be a secret sin, let him manifest it to the abbot only, or to his spiritual seniors, who know how to heal their own wounds, and not to disclose or publish those of others. Chapter 47 Of Making Known the Hour for the Work of God Let the abbot take care, both night and day, to signify the hour of the work of God, either by announcing it himself, or by entrusting the duty of so doing by some watchful brother, in order that all things may be done at their appointed times. But after the abbot, let such as have been appointed, each in his own order, intone the psalm or antiphon. Let not any one presume to sing or read unless he have skill enough to do so, unto the edification of the headers. Whomsoever the abbot shall appoint to do this, let him do it with humility, gravity, and the fear of God, 
Chapter 48 Of Daily Manual Labor Idleness is an enemy of the soul. Therefore, the brethren ought to be employed at certain times in laboring with their hands, and at other fixed times in holy reading. Wherefore we think that both these occasions may be well ordered thus. From Easter till the 1st of October, let them, on going forth from prime, labor at whatever they are required, till about the fourth hour. From the fourth till close upon the sixth hour, let them be employed in reading. On rising from table after the sixth hour, let them rest on their beds with all silence, or if perchance any one shall desire to read, let him read in such a way as not to disturb any one else. Let none be said seasonable. At about the middle of the eighty hour, and after that let them work at what they have to do till the evening. If the situation of the place or their poverty require them to labor in repairing their corn, let them not be saddened thereat, for then are they monks in very deed, when they live by the labor of their hands, as our fathers and the apostles did before us. Yet let all things be done with moderation for the sake of the faint-hearted. From the first of October till the beginning of Lent, they shall be employed in reading till the second hour complete, when tears shall be celebrated, and from that till the ninth hour let them labor at whatever work is enjoyed them. At the first signal of the ninth hour let them all leave off work, so as to be ready when the second signal is given. After their refaction they shall be employed in reading spiritual books or the psalms. But in Lent they must read from morning till the third hour complete. Then let them work till the end of the tenth hour, at what is enjoyed them. In these days of Lent let each one have a book from the library, and read it all through in order. The books must be given at the beginning of Lent. Let one or two seniors be specially appointed to go about the monastery at the hours in which the brethren are employed in reading, and see that no one be slothful or give himself up to idleness or foolish talk and neglect his reading, being thus not only unprofitable to himself but also a hindrance to others. If such an one be found, which God forbid, let him be reprehended once or twice, and if he do not amend, let him be so severely corrected that others may take warning by it. Neither let one brother associate himself with another at unseasonable times. On Sunday all shall devote themselves to reading, except such as are deputed for the various offices. But if any one shall be so negligent and slothful as to be either unwilling or unable to meditate or read, let him have some work imposed upon him which he can do, and thus not be idle. To the brethren who are of weak constitution or in delicate health, such work or art shall be given as shall apt them from idleness, and yet not oppress them with so much labor 
as to drive them away. Their weakness must be taken into consideration by the abbot. End of chapters 43 to 48 Recording by Filippo Joaquin Chapters 49 to 58 of the Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Filippo Joaquin. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous. Chapter 49 of the observance of Lent. Although a monk's life ought at all times be resemble of continual Lent, yet because few have such virtue, we exhort all in these days of Lent to live in all purity, and during this holy season to wash away all the negligence of their times. This we shall worthily accomplish if we refrain from all defects and apply ourselves to tearful prayer to reading, to compunction of heart and abstinence. In these days, therefore, let us add something over and above to our wonted task, such as private prayer and abstinence from meat and drink. Let every one offer to God of his own free will, with joy of the Holy Ghost, something above the measure appointed him, that is to say, let him withhold from his body something in the way of food, drink, sleep, talk, laughter, and with spiritual joy and desire await the holy feast of Easter. Nevertheless, let each one acquaint the abbot with what he offers, and do it at his desire and with his content, because whatever is done without the permission of the spiritual father shall be imputed to presumption and vain glory, and merit no reward. All things, therefore, must be done with the approbation of the abbot. Chapter 50 Of the brethren who work at a great distance from the oratory, or are on a journey. The brethren who work at a great distance, and in the abbot's judgment, are unable to come to the oratory in due time, shall fall upon their knees in the place where they are laboring, and there perform the work of God with divine fear. Also, those who are sent on a journey shall not allow the appointed hours to pass by, but perform them on the way as they are best able, and omit not to accomplish their task of divine service. Chapter 51 of the brethren who do not go far off. Let not the brother who goes forth upon any errand and intends to return that same day to the monastery presume to eat while abroad, even though invited to do so, unless perchance he has the abbot's order. If he do otherwise, let him be excommunicated. Chapter 52 of the oratory of the monastery. Let the oratory be what its name signifieth, and let nothing else be done or treated of there. When the work of God is ended, 
let all go forth with exceeding great silence, and let respect be paid to the presence of God, in order that the brother who wishes to pray privately may not be hindered from so doing by the misconduct of others. If any other brother should also wish to pray secretly, let him enter without ostentation and pray, not with a loud voice, but with tears and earnestness of heart. Therefore, let not any one remain in the oratory after the work of God is ended, except for the purpose of prayer, lest he be hindrance to others. Chapter 53 Of the Manner of Entertaining Guests Let all guests who come to the monastery be entertained like Christ himself, because he will say, I was a stranger, and he took me in. Matthew chapter 25 verse 35 Let due honor be paid to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith, and to travelers. As soon, therefore, as a guest is announced, let the prior of the brethren go to meet him with all show of charity. First let them pray together, and so be associated to each other in peace. The kiss of peace shall not be offered till after prayer, because of the illusions of the devil, and in the salutation itself let all humility be shown. By bowing the head or prostrating on the ground before all the guests who come or go, let Christ, who is received in their persons, be also adored in them. When the guests have been received, let them be brought to prayer, and after that, the prior, or any one whom he shall order, shall sit with them. Let the divine law be read before the guest, that he may be edified, and afterwards let all courtesy be shown him. For this sake, the prior shall break the fast ordained by the rule, unless perchance it be one of those special days on which it cannot be broken. The brethren, however, shall keep their accustomed fast. Let the abbot pour water on the hands of the guests, and let both him and the whole community wash the feet of the same, after which they shall say this verse, We have received thy mercy, O God, in the midst of thy temple. Psalm chapter 48 verse 10 But let the poor and strangers especially, be diligently entertained with all care, because in them Christ is more truly received. For the simple fear of the rich doth beget them honor. Let the kitchen for the abbot and the guests stand apart, in order that the latter, who are never wanting in a monastery, may not disquiet the brethren by their untimely arrivals. Into this kitchen let the brothers, who can perform its duty well, enter for a year. They shall have assistance when they need it, in order that they may serve without murmuring. When they have less labor, let them go forth to work where they shall be appointed, and not only in these, but in all other offices of the monastery, let consideration be shown them, so that when they need help, it be given, and when they are without work, 
they obey and do what is commanded them. Let the care of the guest room be entrusted to a brother, whose soul the fear of God possesseth. Let there be a sufficient number of beds there, and let the house of God be by wise men wisely governed. By no means let any one, unless appointed thereunto, either mix with or speak to the guests. But if he shall meet or see them, after humbly saluting and asking their blessing, he shall pass on, saying that it is not lawful for him to talk with a guest. Chapter 54 Where it be lawful for a monk to receive letters or presents. By no means let any monk, without the abbot's permission, receive from his parents or from anyone else, or give to another, letters, tokens, or any gifts whatsoever. And if anything be sent to him, even from his parents, let him not presume to receive it, unless it be first told the abbot. If he order it to be received, it shall be in his power to appoint the person to whom it shall be given, and let not the brother to whom perchance it was sent be grieved, lest an occasion be given to the devil. Whosoever shall presume to do otherwise shall be subjected to regular discipline. Chapter 55 Of the Clothes and Shoes of the Brethren Let clothing be given to the brethren suitable to the place where they live and to the temperature of the air, because in cold countries more is needed and in warm less. The arrangement of all these shall be left to the discretion of the abbot. Nevertheless, we believe that for temperate places it will be sufficient for each monk to have a cowl and tunic, the cowl in winter to be the thicker stuff, but in summer finer and worn thin, also a scapular for work, and shoes and stocking to cover their feet. Let not the monks find fault with the color or coarseness of things. They shall be such as can be procured in the country where they live, or bought at the cheapest rate. Let the abbot take care of their dimensions, that they be not too short, but of a size suitable to those who wear them. On receiving new clothes, let them always give up the old ones at once, to be laid in the wardrobe for the poor. For it is sufficient for a monk to have two tunics and two cows, as well for change at nights, as for the convenience of washing. Anything beyond this is superfluous and must be cut off. Also, they shall give back their shoes and whatever is worn out when they receive anything new. When sent on a journey, they shall receive drawers from the wardrobe, and on their return shall restore them washed clean. Let their coals and tunics on such occasions be somewhat better than those they ordinarily use. They shall receive them on setting out, and restore them to the wardrobe on their return. Let a straw mattress, a blanket, coverlet, and pillow suffice for their bedding. 
This the abbot shall frequently examine, to prevent the vice of proprietorship, and if any one be discovered to possess anything which he hath not received from the abbot, let him be subjected to the severest correction. To root out the vice, let all things be given them by the abbot which shall be necessary, that is, a cowl, a tunic, shoes, and stockings, a girdle, a knife, a pen, a needle, a handkerchief, and tablets, that all pretense of necessity may be taken away. However, let the abbot always bear in mind that sentence from the Acts of the Apostles. And distribution was made to every one according as he had need. Acts chapter 4 verses 35 Let him therefore consider the infirmities of such as are in need, and pay no regard to the ill will of the envious. In all his ordinances, let him always think on the retribution of God. Chapter 56 On the Abbot's Table The abbot shall always make his meals with the guests and strangers, but as often as there are few guests, it shall be in his power to invite any of the brethren he may choose. Let him take care, however, that one or two seniors be always left with the brethren for the sake of discipline. Chapter 57 Of the Artificers of the Monastery If there be artificers in the monastery, let them exercise their crafts with all humility, provided the abbot shall have ordered them. But if any of them be proud of the skill he hath in his craft, because he thereby seemeth to gain something for the monastery, let him be removed from it, and not exercise it again, unless, after humbling himself, the abbot shall permit him. But if any of their work is to be sold, let those who make the bargain take heed and presume not to defraud the monastery in any way. Let them remember Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5 verses 10 Lest they, or any who defraud the monastery, should incur the death of their soul, and these did the death of their body. And in the prices themselves, let not the vice of avarice creep in, but let things always be sold somewhat cheaper than by seculars, that in all things God may be glorified. End of chapters 49 to 57 Recording by Filippo Joachim Chapters 58 to 63 of The Rule of St. Benedict This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne the Rule of St. Benedict, by St. Benedict of Nursia, translated by Anonymous. Chapter 58. Of the Manner of Receiving Brothers to Religion. Let not an easy entrance be granted to one who cometh newly to religious life, but, as the Apostle saith, 
Try the spirits, if they be of God. 1 John 4, verse 1. If, therefore, the newcomer persevere knocking, and continue for four or five days patiently to endure both the injuries offered to him and the difficulty made about his entrance, and persist in his petition, leave to enter shall be granted him, and he shall be in the guest-hall for a few days. Afterwards he shall be in the novitiate, where he shall meditate, and eat, and sleep. Let a senior, who has the address of winning souls, be appointed to watch over him narrowly and carefully, to discover whether he truly seeks God, and is eager for the work of God, for obedience, and for humiliation. Let all the rigor and austerity by which we tend towards God be laid before him, and if he promise stability and perseverance, at the end of two months let the whole rule be read to him, with the addition of these words. Behold the law under which thou desirest to fight. If thou canst observe it, enter in. If thou canst not, freely depart. If he shall still persevere, let him then be brought back to the aforesaid cell of the novices, and again be tried in all patience. After the lapse of six months, let the rule be read to him again, that he may know unto what he has come. If he still persevere, after four months, let the same rule be read to him once more. If he shall then promise, after due deliberation, to observe all things, and do everything commanded him, let him be received into the community, knowing that he is from that time forward under the law of the rule, so that he can neither leave the monastery, nor shake off the yoke of the rule, which, after so long a deliberation, might have been accepted or refused. And when they admit him to profession, he shall, in the presence of all, make a promise before God and his saints, of stability, amendment of manners, and obedience, in order that if at any time he shall act contrarywise, he may know that he shall be condemned by him whom he mocketh. He shall draw up the form of this promise in the name of the saints whose relics are on the altar, and of the abbot there present. With his own hand he shall write it, or, if he knoweth not how, another, at his request, shall write it for him, and the novice shall put his mark to it, and lay it with his own hand upon the altar. After doing this, let him presently begin the verse, Uphold me, O Lord, according to thy word, and I shall live. Let me not be confounded in my expectation. Psalm 118 and verse 116 Let the whole community repeat this three times, adding at the end, Glory be to the Father. Then let the new brother cast himself at the feet of all, that they may pray for him, and from that hour he shall be counted as one of the community. If he hath any property, he shall either first bestow it upon the poor, or, by a formal gift, hand it over to the monastery, without any reserve for himself, because for the future he must know that he hath not so much as power over his own body. Let him therefore presently, in the oratory, be stripped of his own garments, and be clothed in those of the monastery. But the garments of which he is divested shall be kept in the wardrobe, that if, which God forbid, he should consent, by the persuasion of the devil, to leave the monastery, he may be stripped of his habit and expelled, but he shall not have again the writing of his profession, which the abbot received from him at the altar, that shall be kept in the monastery. Chapter 59 Of the Sons of Nobles, 
or of the poor that are offered. If any nobleman shall perchance offer his son to God in the monastery, let the parents, if the child himself be under age, make the aforesaid promise for him, and together with the oblation, footnote, this was a host in a chalice in which there was some wine, the child held them in his hands during the ceremony of dedication. Constit, Lanfranchi, Cap, 18. End note. Let them wrap that promise and the hand of the boy in the altar cloth, and thus dedicate him to God. But with regard to his property, they shall, in the said document, promise under oath that they will never either give or furnish him with an occasion of having anything, either by themselves or by any other person or means whatsoever. If they will not do this, but wish to offer something as an alms to the monastery, by way of acknowledgment, let them make a donation of whatsoever they please, and reserve the income of it to themselves. Let matters be so managed that no expectation remain with the child, whereby being deceived he may perish, which God forbid. As we have learned by experience in the case of others, let those who are poor act in the same way, but such as have nothing whatever shall simply make the promise, and with the oblation give up their son before witnesses. CHAPTER Sixty, OF PRIESTS WHO DESIRE TO DWELL IN THE MONASTERY If any one of the priestly order shall request to be received in the monastery, let not permission be speedily granted even unto him. However, if he shall persist in his request, let him know that he will have to keep all the disciplines appointed by the rule, and that no relaxation will be made in his favor, according to that which is written, Friend, for what art thou come? Matthew 26, verse 50. Nevertheless, he shall be allowed to stand next after the abbot, to give the blessing, and to say Mass, provided the abbot order him. Otherwise he shall presume to do nothing, knowing that he is subject to regular discipline, and particularly obliged to give unto all examples of humility. If his position in the monastery shall have been given to him on account of his order, or for any other reason whatsoever, let him remember that his true place is the one fixed by the time of his entrance, and not that which is yielded to him out of reverence for his priesthood. But if any cleric shall likewise desire to be admitted to the monastery, let him be put in the middle rank, but only on condition that he promise observance of the rule and stability in it. CHAPTER 61 OF MONKS THAT ARE STRANGERS, HOW THEY ARE TO BE RECEIVED if any monk who is a stranger shall come from a distant place, and desire to dwell in the monastery as a guest, and being content with the customs he findeth there, doth not trouble the monastery by his superfluous wants, but is satisfied with what he findeth, let him be entertained for as long a time as he desireth. And if he is reasonable, and with loving humility, reprehend or point out any abuse, let the abbot prudently take notice of what he saith for the Lord hath perchance sent him for that very reason. But if, after a time, he should desire to take up his abode there, let him not be refused, especially since they had ample opportunities of discovering his manner of life during the time he lived among them as a guest. If, however, during that time he was found troublesome or faulty, not only shall he not be incorporated with the community, but even be told with all civility to depart lest others should be corrupted by his bad behavior. But if he doth not deserve to be sent away, 
not only let him be received into the society of the community when he makes the request, but let him even be persuaded to stay, that by his example others may be instructed, because in every place we serve one God, and fight under one king. The abbot may also put him in a somewhat higher rank, if he should find him well deserving of it. And not only may the abbot exalt a monk to a higher place than is his due, but also any of the aforesaid priests or clerics, if their lives be such as to deserve it. Let the abbot, however, beware never at any time to receive a monk into his community from a known monastery without the consent of his abbot or letters of commendation from him, because it is written, What thou wilt not have done to thyself, do not to another. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Chapter 62. Of the Priests of the Monastery. If any abbot desire to have a priest or deacon promoted to holy orders, let him choose from his monks one who is worthy to fill the office of priesthood. But let him that is ordained beware of haughtiness and pride, and presume not to do anything except what is ordered by the abbot well aware that he is now much more subject to the discipline of the rule. Let him not, by reason of his priesthood, forget the obedience and discipline of the rule, but rather strive to advance more and more in the service of God. He shall, however, take his rank from the time he entered the monastery, except in his office at the altar, and also, in case the community's choice and the abbot's desire be to advance him higher for his holiness of life. He must, nevertheless, observe the rules prescribed by the deans or provosts, and if he presume to act contrariwise, he shall be judged, not as a priest, but as a rebel. If, after frequent admonitions, he does not amend, the bishop shall be informed of his behavior. If even after this he grow not better, and his faults become notorious, he shall be thrust out of the monastery, provided his disobedience be such that he will not submit and obey the rule. Chapter 63 Of the Order of the Community The brethren shall hold that rank in the monastery which is fixed for them by the time of their conversion, by the merit of their life, or by the appointment of the abbot. And let not the abbot disquiet the flock committed to him, not, as it were, by an arbitrary use of power, arrange anything unjustly. But let him always consider that he is to give an account to God of all his judgments and of all his works. Therefore, let the brethren receive the pax, approach to communion, intone a psalm, and stand in choir, according to that order which he shall appoint, or which they hold among themselves. In all places, without exception, let not order be decided by age, neither let it be a prejudice to any man. For Samuel and Daniel, though mere youths, sat in judgment upon the elders. First Regents, chapter 7, verse 15. Daniel, chapter 8, verse 51. Etsec. With the exception, therefore, of those for whom special reasons the abbot shall advance, or loser, let all rest keep the order of the conversion. For example, he who cometh to the monastery at the second hour of the day must know that he is lower than the man who came at the first hour, no matter what his age or dignity may be. But with regard to children, let them be kept under discipline on all occasions, by all indiscriminately. 
Let the juniors, therefore, honor their seniors, and let the seniors love the juniors. But in addressing each other by name, no one shall call another by his simple name. Let the seniors call the juniors brothers, and let the juniors call the seniors fathers out of reverence. But because the abbot representeth the person of Christ, he shall be called Domnus, and abbot, not as if he took the title upon himself, but out of honor and love of Christ. Let him remember to conduct himself in such a way as to be worthy of so great an honor. Wheresoever the brethren meet each other, let the junior ask a blessing from the senior. When the senior passeth by, let the junior rise and give place to him to sit down. Nor shall the junior presume to sit with him, unless his senior bid him to do so, in order to accomplish that which is written, in honor preventing one another. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Little children, youths, shall keep their respective places in the oratory or at table with due discipline. Everywhere, careful watch shall be kept over them, till they come to the age of understanding. End of chapter 63 End of chapters 58 to 63Chapters 64 to 69 of the Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous. Chapter 64 Of the Election of the Abbot. In the election of an abbot, let the following method always be observed, that he be constituted abbot, whom either the whole community by common consent shall elect in the fear of God, or whom a small part of the same shall choose with greater wisdom. Let him who is to be raised to this dignity be chosen on account of his virtuous life, his learning, and his wisdom, even though he be the last in the community. But although the entire community, which God forbid, shall with one accord choose a man who supports them in their evil practices, and these, by some means, become known to the bishop in whose diocese that place is situated, or to the abbots, or to the neighboring Christians. Let them nullify the election of these wicked men, and appoint a worthy steward over the house of God, knowing that for this they shall receive a good reward, if they do it with a pure intention, and through zeal for God, and, on the contrary, that they sin if they neglect to do so. When once established in his office, let the abbot always reflect how weighty a burden he hath received, and unto whom he must give an account of his stewardship. Let him also know that it is more becoming in him to do good unto others than to hold sway over them. He must therefore be learned in the divine law, that he may know whence to bring forth new things and old. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 52 he must be chaste, sober, and merciful, and always prefer mercy to justice, that he himself may obtain mercy. He shall hate vice, and love the brethren. Even in his corrections he shall act with prudence, and be guilty of no excess, lest, while too eagerly scouring off the rust, the vessel itself be broken. Let him bear in mind his own frailty, and remember that the bruised reed must not be broken. Isaiah 42 and verse 3. By this we do not mean that he should allow vices to grow up, 
but, as we have said before, with prudence and charity seek to root them out in such a way as shall be expedient for each case. And let his aim be rather to excite love than to inspire fear. He must not be truculent and anxious. Neither let him be over-exacting, not headstrong, nor jealous, nor over-suspicious, for then he will never be at rest. Even in what he orders, whether it pertain to God or to temporal matters, let him be prudent and considerate. Let him be discreet and moderate in the works which he enjoins, bearing in mind the discretion of holy Jacob, who said, If I shall cause my flocks to be overdriven, they will all die in one day. Genesis chapter 33 and verse 13. Therefore, adopting these and the like principles of discretion, which is the mother of all virtues, let him so temper all things that the strong may have somewhat to strive after, and the weak, not from which they may flee away. Especially let him observe this present rule in all things, that after having ministered well, he may hear from the Lord what the good servant heard, who gave corn to his fellow servants in due time. Amen, I say unto you, over all his goods he will place him. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 47 Chapter 65 Of the Provost of the Monastery It often happens that by the appointment of a provost, note, this corresponds to our prior, St. Benedict uses prepositus and prior synonymously, end note, Great scandals arise in monasteries, because some, so appointed, being puffed up with the malignant spirit of pride, and esteeming themselves to be second abbots, take upon themselves to tyrannize over others, to foster scandals, and to promote dissensions in the community, and especially in those places where the provost is instituted by the same bishop of abbots as the abbot himself. How foolish this custom is may easily be perceived, for a handle for pride is given to the provost from the very beginning of his appointment, because his thoughts suggest to him that he is now released from the power of the abbot, since he is instituted by the very persons by whom the abbot himself is instituted. Hence arise envy, quarrels, distractions, rivalries, dissensions, and disorders. And while the abbot and the provost are at variance with each other, it must of necessity follow that their souls are imperiled during this dissension, those also who are under their charge run to destruction by adhering, some to one side and some to the other. The sin of this danger lieth principally upon those who were the authors of such an appointment. Therefore, we see that it is expedient for the preservation of peace and charity that the entire government of the monastery depend upon the will of the abbot. As we have before arranged, let all the business of the monastery be transacted, if possible, by the deans, according as the abbot shall have determined, in order that, many being sharers in the same office, no one may become proud. But if either the circumstance of the place require a provost, or the community with reason and humility ask for one, and the abbot think it expedient, he shall, with the advice of such of the brethren as have the fear of God before them, nominate and appoint one himself. Let the provost do with reverence what shall be enjoined him by the abbot, in no way going against his will or ordinance, because the higher he is advanced above the rest, the more carefully he ought to observe all the precepts of the rule. If the provost be found viciously inclined, or deceived by the haughtiness of pride, 
or contemner of the holy rule, let him be warned by word of mouth four times. If he do not amend, let the correction of regular discipline be applied to him. If with this he do not grow better, he shall be deposed from the dignity of the provostship, and a worthier man put in his place. If after this he be not quiet and obedient in the community, let him be expelled from the monastery. The abbot shall nevertheless bear in mind that for all his judgments he shall have to give an account to God, lest perchance his soul burn with the flames of envy and jealousy. Chapter 66 Of the Porter of the Monastery At the gate of the monastery let there be stationed a wise old man, who knows how to receive and to give an answer, and whose ripeness of age will not suffer him to wander from his post. He ought to have a cell near the gate, that such as come may always find him at hand, ready to give them an answer. As soon as any one shall knock, or a poor man cry for aid, let him presently answer, Thanks be to God, or invoke a blessing, and with all mildness of the fear of God, let him reply speedily in the fervor of charity. If he need help, he shall have a junior brother with him. The monastery ought, if possible, to be so constructed as to contain within itself all necessaries, that is, water, a mill, a garden, and a bakehouse. Also that the various crafts be exercised within it, so that there be no occasion for monks to go abroad, because it is in no wise expedient for their souls. We wish this rule to be frequently read in the community, that no brother may excuse himself on the score of ignorance. CHAPTER 67 OF BRETHREN WHO ARE SENT ON A JOURNEY Let those who are to be sent on a journey commend themselves to the prayers of all the brethren and of the abbot, and always at the last prayer of the work of God let a commemoration be made of all that are absent. When they come back, they shall, on the very day of their return, lie prostrate on the ground of the oratory during all the canonical hours, while the work of God is being fulfilled, and beg the prayers of all, on account of the faults they may have committed on the way, by sight or hearing of evil things, or by idle discourse. That no one presume to relate unto others what he has seen or heard outside the monastery, because this is a fruitful source of evil. If any one shall presume to do so, let him be liable to the penalty prescribed by the rule. In like manner shall he be punished, who shall presume to break the enclosure of the monastery, or go anywhere, or do anything, how trifling soever, without leave of the abbot. CHAPTER 68 IF A BROTHER BE ORDERED TO DO IMPOSSIBILITIES If any hard or impossible commands be enjoined a brother, let him receive the injunctions of him who biddeth him with all mildness and obedience. But if he shall see that the burden altogether exceedeth the measure of his strength, let him patiently and in due season state the cause of this inability to his superior, without manifesting any pride, resistance, or contradiction. If, after his suggestion, the prior shall still persist in his command, let the brother know that it is for his good, and trusting in the assistance of God, let him obey through love for him. CHAPTER 69 THAT NO ONE PRESUME TO DEFEND ANOTHER IN THE MONASTERY Special care must be taken that on no occasion one monk presume to uphold or defend another in the monastery, even though they be very near of kin. 
in no way whatsoever let any monk presume to do this, because exceeding great occasion of scandal may arise from thence. If any one shall transgress in this point, let him be severely punished. End of chapter 69 And end of chapters 64 to 69《Chapters 70 to 73 of the Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous. Chapter 70 That No One Presume to Strike Another. Let every occasion of presumption be avoided in the monastery. We ordain and decree that no one, unless the abbot hath given his authority, shall be allowed to excommunicate or to strike any of his brethren, such as trespass in this respect, shall be reprehended in the presence of all, that the rest may be inspired with fear. But let all have strict discipline and care over children until their fifteenth year. Yet this also must be done with moderation and discretion. For he who shall, without the abbot's leave, presume to chastise such as are above that age, or to be unduly severe even towards the children, shall be liable to regular discipline. Because it is written, quote, What thou wouldst not have done to thyself, do not thou unto another. Unquote. Tobit chapter 4 verse 16. Chapter 71. That the brethren be obedient to each other. The service of obedience by all is not to be rendered to the abbot only, but the brethren shall also mutually obey each other, knowing that by this path of obedience they shall go unto God. Therefore, when the command of the abbot, or of other superiors constituted by him, have been first obeyed, to which we suffer no private orders to be preferred, the juniors shall obey their seniors with all charity and diligence. If anyone be found contentious, let him be rebuked. But if a brother be rebuked for even the least thing by the abbot, or by any of his seniors, or if he shall perceive that the mind of his senior is even slightly, be it ever so little, moved against him, he shall, without delay, prostrate himself at his feet, and remain there till that commotion be appeased and he receive a blessing. If any one be too proud to do this, let him be liable either to corporal punishment, or, if he prove contumacious, let him be expelled from the monastery. Chapter 72 Of the Good Zeal Which Monks Ought to Have As there is an evil zeal of bitterness which separateth from God, and leadeth to hell, so there is a good zeal which separateth from vices and leadeth to God and life everlasting. Let monks, therefore, exercise this zeal with most fervent love, that is to say, let them, quote, in honor prevent one another, unquote. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Let them bear patiently with each other's infirmities, whether of body or of mind, 
let them contend with one another in the virtue of obedience. Let no one follow what he thinketh profitable to himself, but rather that which is profitable to another. Let them show unto each other all brotherly charity with a chaste love. Let them fear God, love their abbot with sincere and humble affection, and prefer nothing whatever to Christ. And may he bring us to life everlasting. Amen. Chapter 73 That the whole observance of perfection is not contained in this rule. We have written this rule that by its observance in monasteries we may show that we possess, in some measure, uprightness of manners, or the beginning of a good religious life. But for such as hasten forward to the perfection of holy living, there are the precepts of the Holy Fathers, the observance whereof leadeth a man to the height of perfection. For what page or what passage is there in the divinely inspired books of the Old and New Testament that is not a most perfect rule of man's life? Or what book is there of the Holy Catholic Fathers that doth not proclaim this, that we may by a direct course reach our Creator? Moreover, what else are the collations of the Fathers, their institutes, their lives, also the rule of our Holy Father Basil, but examples of the good living and obedience of monks, and so many instruments of virtue. But to us who are slothful and lead bad and negligent lives, they are a matter for shame and confusion. Therefore, whosoever thou art that dost hasten to the heavenly country, first accomplish, by the help of Christ, this little rule written for beginners, and that at length thou shalt come under the guidance of God, to those loftier heights of doctrine and of virtue, which we have mentioned above. The End Whosoever shall follow this rule, peace on them. Galatians chapter 6 verse 16 End of chapters 70-73 End of the Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia Translated by Anonymous